Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. This week I've got a brilliant guest for you and we are talking about why you need to stop throwing money at well-being. A bold statement you might think, but listen in to the conversation I have with Hannah Becker, how she got into well-being by accident, the reasons why we need to stop throwing money at well-being, what you should do instead and why you should do that. And we discuss the stigma of mental health and well-being, the chat and examples of our experiences. So join us on today's episode. So welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stress, doubt and overwhelm so that I help you to increase your performance, be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and wellbeing trainer to organisations helping you and your workforce increase performance and make the impact that you want in the world. Now, I know you're probably sick of hearing me ask this, but please do hit the subscribe button and go and leave a review. It helps enormously for other people to be able to find the information that we have on here and to be able to share the messages, tips and support. And also, if you would like to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, then head over to my website www.emmalankton.com forward slash training and just find the box there where you can sign up to my newsletter. It comes out once a month. It's got infos, tips and advice with themes, research, recommendations about leadership, performance and well-being so that you don't have to dig around for it. So don't forget to go over to my website and sign up. I'll pop the link in the show notes. And then this week, I've got a brilliant guest for you. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. I know I certainly did. And quite honestly, at one point, forgot we were even recording the podcast. But Hannah, I will let her introduce herself. But listen out for some gold bits of information where she shares about the differences that um, we see with our knowledge of well-being and stress and overwhelm that sometimes workplaces don't see. Where she talks about her experience and how she came to be in the well-being area. And, you know, the brilliant quote that I got from her is that, you know, whatever people are doing right now for well-being, it's not working. So we need to get better, we need to get smarter, and that is some of the things that we talk about today. Enjoy the episode. So Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming along today. Thank you for inviting me, Emma. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so excited about what we are going to talk about today. Would you like to just explain to the listeners a little bit about how or why you got into well-being? Yes, absolutely. It was um, an accident, really, in the beginning. Um, So I'm a self-employed commercial property partner. So I've been doing that um, in a self-employed role for nearly nine years. And I was actually about three years into my business when it was doing really well. Um, I was doing a lot better than I'd expected to. 
it, it had sort of been a I'll leave big law to be at home with the children and, and just sort of tinker about with the odd lease and things like that but actually it grew into a successful business much to my surprise Brilliant. but um <laughs> yeah but I look back now and knowing what I know about stress and well-being I was ticking every single box for suffering from all the symptoms of stress so I was working really long hours to keep up with the demand of a you know growing business and as as lawyers tend to be I didn't like to delegate or give anything away to anybody else I wanted to keep control and do all the work myself didn't trust anyone else so I as I say started to suffer all the symptoms of stress and it even got to the point where I was starting to have panic attacks and I know I was I remember one day I was having a panic attack my then um, second son was two years old asleep upstairs and I just thought this is ridiculous you know I, I left big law to enjoy my life more, enjoy my work more. And here I am with a supposedly successful business, but I, I can't, I'm not coping. You know, I'm not being a great mom or wife and, you know, I'm not, not um, enjoying it either because it's clearly making me ill. So it was purely from a personal perspective that I went and got interested in well-being and stress management just so that I wouldn't have to give up my business or change what I was doing because I wanted it to work and obviously have proven that the business was successful but I needed to find that how to make it work for me and the family as well so I learned it purely from a personal perspective but actually along that way thought there are so many other lawyers um, who are in this position it's only then that I really started to read the statistics and understand just how bad stress mental health and well-being was in the law and so it's through that that I thought actually I'm going to start teaching and training other people and that's how I got into it. It is only when we begin to learn about it that we can see where the impact was and what it looks like and how there's so much um, stress and pressure around and how people are dealing or not dealing with it and how it's impacting people um, and that was certainly the case for me although I had a different introduction to um, to, to kind of well-being mental health and, and everything because of adopting the kids but then ended up blending the two as I tell everybody in learning about that and blending it with the corporate environment but that's how come we got to talk. So we were having a chat a few weeks ago, weren't we? And um, said, you said that you wanted to start talking about why we need to stop throwing money at wellbeing, which is what prompted us to do this episode. So do you want to just, just recap slightly? And um, because you got really passionate about this, this subject, didn't you? And I was um, chuckling away when we were talking so do you want to just tell us a little bit about why you think people need to stop throwing money at well-being I know we're going to be on the same song sheet so I'll try not to interrupt I get passionate about this subject is because things need to be done it needs to be raised in the corporate environment and it has it has been and it is being raised I've been talking to other countries a bit this year and they're telling me that they think the UK is ahead you know particularly in the legal profession in terms of dealing with mental health and well-being compared to other countries and so I suppose in some respects that's good but I'm thinking well if we're ahead you know that that's still we're still nowhere near where we need to be exactly I mean what's the state of play going to be like in other places yeah yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, they were sharing with me that it's really only this year since the, the pandemic that mental health and stress has even been discussed in, in certain professions. It's just never been, it, I'm sure it's been known that it's an issue, but it's never been a, a discussion point before this year. 
Yeah. So I think from my perspective, yes, it's great that, you know, we hear the buzzword, the buzz phrase that mental health is on the agenda now, you know, and that is fantastic. And as I say, compared to other countries, maybe we're, we're doing better, but it's, it's not helping. It's not helping. You look at the statistics and the statistics are getting worse. And I don't think it's just in my profession. I think, and, and, and you'll probably know Emma better than me in general corporate terms, but the statistics for stress and mental health are getting worse every year. And we don't have any statistics for this year yet, which is only going to be a lot worse once they are released. So whatever people are doing right now for well-being is not working. Absolutely. Um and I think what I kind of see and hear is about people doing almost like knee-jerk reactions to things and wanting what I call the kind of sticking plaster effect on things. What I find a lot of the time is when they're, when they're bringing in things for like the physical types of stress and the physical health of things, but we're not looking at the mental health. And the mental health means really, that we need to make sure that employers are providing uh, that provision, but also that we are equipping people so that they know what it is that they can do themselves. Would you have, like, your first top tip for what it is that we, we really do need to make sure that we do? Yes, and I think you, you make a great point there, that it is, well, it's more than two-pronged almost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think... Businesses have started to bring in the, the physical aspects, exactly as you say, you know, whether it's yoga at lunchtime, a fruit bowl, meditation sometimes, or even massages at desks, you know, that's been around for a few years. And so, you know, again, it's a tick box. It's, it's something on the way towards helping. But it, it does, um, it, it has that disconnect between stress and mental health and just the physical side. But I think what, what we all need to think about is that mental health and stress, it, it, it's multi-layered. It, it is about the physical, you know, it is about yoga and meditation and nutrition and fruit and water and sleep. It definitely is, but it is, there's the mental aspects as well. So I think for those organizations that want to tackle this properly, like you call it a sticking plaster, I call it a tick box. You know, they want to be able to just say, we've done something tick you know, either because it's for their health insurance to get the premiums down or because their clients are asking them what they do about well-being or for whatever reason that organisation is, is involved in it. It's got to be more than just a tick box and it's got to cover more than just the yoga and the fruit bowls. You know, it's got to be a more holistic, joined up approach, I think. I think what we're seeing in certainly in organisations that I'm talking to as well is that, um, the responsibility falls on often on HR. There are a lot more uh, individuals who are being given a role that is responsible for well-being, um, but often they are too busy. And I have often have calls with people who are quite last minute. Oh my God, I need to do something. Or, oh my God, you know, people are just not managing. So can I just have this? And I generally ensure that I hop on a call with them and try and get a bigger picture and make sure that we are tackling some of the um, issues that it is that they are seeing so that we are sorting out the real problem and not just, again, like, you know, doing that knee-jerk reaction or going, oh, I saw that and I thought it was really, really good. So can I just have a bit of that? So I often say that the first thing is that you we need to 
ask the employees what it is that they need. And I sometimes, especially if I see people face to face, see them kind of slump because I think they jump on a call with me and they almost want me to give the answers. If you go, if you do this, this and this, then that would be great. Um, but it's not just asking employers what they kind of need, but it's asking them where they're, you know, what sort of what their issues are and what the kind of problems are as well. But you do some good stuff, don't you, with organisations to be able to gather that sort of information. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, it, it's something that's really come to the fore this year um because of all the you know yes we're working from home you know I'm not going into firms and doing training in person which I think I mean I, I love training in person and it has worked very well online and it's certainly better to have it online than not at all but I think it's harder to really see how people are feeling you know like like you said sometimes you can start a conversation with somebody and sort of see them slump and see that actually this piece of training that we are here to deliver for them is not what they need right now you know I might be trying to talk to them about business development or time management whereas actually they're completely overwhelmed their mind is not on what they're doing because they're they're just struggling to, to keep going each day you know yeah. they could be on the verge of panic attacks and things like that so trying to talk to them about time management or business development is is you know not what they need and so what I've um, certainly been doing the last few months with firms that I work with is saying to them do you know what let's stop the workshops because as much as I love them it's I don't think it's what people need right now just bombarding them with more training and yes I always try and do my training in a very you know train a bit go to people make it personal to their lives answer their questions and things you know I'm not sort of a, a death by powerpoint trainer I hope um <laughs> oh, I, love that. I love that expression hate to see it yeah absolutely I'm that one. I love a good powerpoint don't get me wrong but I, I love the interaction that's where yeah. people really learn is is talk to them about something and then come and interact and and I love that style but as I say, so many people are just in overwhelm right on the edge of burnout right now and they cannot take it in. So as I say, I have literally, even with existing contracts I have with firms, I've said, just let's stop doing that particular form of training and let's switch to a sort of um, focus group discussion. So, you know, a small number of people, maybe 10, 12 maximum, we might, we'll have a topic to, to that discussion, but really it is about what people bring. I suppose it's group coaching really, but, but with a topic and I will do a little bit of training if that's what comes up and that's what people need, but it's really just about creating a space for people to, to come and to talk and to offload and to listen to other people and to not feel that they're under any more pressure with what they have to learn or absorb or take on and I love that because we need to take the pressure off but also with the kind of disconnect that, that the pandemic brought really with you know with the isolation and the work from home and everything else you know one of the big things I've been talking to, to organizations about is about how you continue to create that connections with people because that boosts the feel-good chemicals and also helps people to feel that they are not alone kind of reduces that kind of stigma of oh, what's wrong with me why can't I cope everybody else looks like they're doing okay with everything um, and it's often I think really good to bring in external people I think for those sort of focus groups and training because you I certainly find and what I often advise is that sometimes we get a bit more honesty 
out of people because they don't feel that they are going to be judged or that it's going to go back to their boss or that they're going to kind of get, you know, reported on and checked up on and things like that. Is that something that you find as well? I do. Yes. And I think even with the best will in the world, I mean, there's some fantastic HR people out there who really, you know, do care about the well-being of their people. And I think knowing some of them, as I do on, on a personal level, I know they wish that their people could come to them more. I, I completely understand that. But I think there is still that that fact that they are an employee of the company and they are in that HR role. And no matter how much they do care about the well-being of their people, they're still going to be the same people that have to deal with appraisals and redundancies and, and all those sorts of things as well. So, yes, it, I think there's a real benefit in bringing in the external person. And as I always stress with my sessions, you know, it's, you know, they're with lawyers, so they understand the concept of confidentiality. We've also got this idea of what they call Chatham House rules. You know, what's discussed in the group stays in the group. You know, you're not allowed to take anything outside. And, and I very much say that to, to the um, employers that are hiring me and to the employees in the group. You know, we will not take specific comments from specific people back to management. That's not what this is about. I will take themes and I'll take ideas, but not in a way that management would know such a body said such a thing because that's yeah. not going to help it's no and it's it's not going to help at all and often on the training um and workshops that i do um i um do try and generate some of that chat and some of that interaction and some of that connection usually by asking a question right at the beginning there are a few where i have been on and just said to people what's your biggest struggle right now and sometimes it's that biggest struggle is around the theme of say you know, the work-life boundaries and things, but what's your biggest struggle right now? So that I am making sure that on the actual um, training, I am dealing with what the people are attending is their biggest struggle. So that's that's one the sort of way of, you know, making sure that we are absolutely hitting the spot. But the other way, again, you know, because I'm an independent person from that, but the other thing as well is that it opens up that chat and then everybody on the call sees what all the chat and comments is and then kind of goes, oh, yeah, I have that as well. But it absolutely needs to be that safe place for people. Otherwise, they are not going to be able to make the progress and to be able to, you know, to learn that. Because there is this stigma, isn't there? We are, we're still, still living with this stigma. I always talk about don't talk about the war, don't talk about worries and talk, talk about women's problems. It's like the three W's that I, and I, Alice said this on more than one podcast. So the listeners are probably like rolling their eyes now going, there she goes again. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. But I, you know, I had a, a CEO that came to me and he literally used to be in a helicopter, helicoptered in uh, two meetings to troubleshoot and, and, and sort out problems and things like that. But he came to me with anxiety and I said to him, have you not thought about speaking to your, you know, people in your organization? And he literally said, I don't want to be seen as weak. So that, you know, and that was, that was maybe about three years ago, but you know, um, that was the, the most hard hitting. I knew the stigma was there, but that come from a CEO and he was a well-respected, very well-known in the country CEO and still he said that to me yeah yeah and I think I think you make a great point there Emma. I know you shared that story with me this week and it it's so stark and it's I actually feel as though it, it's more of a worry with men and I know in your example it was a man because yes there is a huge stigma 
in in the legal profession definitely and in corporate around mental health for everyone you know or there has been I like to think it's breaking down and this year has really helped with that because people have been a lot more open this year and so maybe we're really making some steps there Um, I don't agree with the stigma I think those who hold their hand up and say do you know what I'm struggling right now I want to get some help are the strong ones and they come out of it so much stronger and all the people I've spoken to about whether they've they've got to crunch point it could be burnout it could be panic attacks it could be breakdown it could be whatever it is it could be a few months off work with stress whatever it is pretty much all of them I can't think of an exception say it was the best thing that ever happened to them because what they then go on to learn to change to do is is so great because they came to that crunch point and it happened in my life you know and I'm sure it happened in 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 many people's lives so I actually think it's a really good thing rather than being a stigma but my concern is is mainly for men because as you say it goes back historically years if not hundreds of years that men don't open up and don't talk about these things and they keep it to themselves until crunch point is much worse for men you know in, in 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 the law it's suicide um, you know, it's it's just it, it really has to change. It really has to change. And and this idea that it's weak to admit you have a an issue that you're getting help for, I completely disagree. I think it's the strongest thing to do. Yeah, and I, I entirely, entirely agree with that as well. And some of the things that I say to people, you know, is that I've been in business for um 10 years and I have focused solely on the stress, anxiety. Um, and you know then improving your performance that's it so if I've managed to run a business for 10 years and obviously had a you know rolling amount of clients and things like that that's quite a lot of people that are feeling the stress anxiety pressure and and have been concerned about how it affects their lives or how it affects their performance um so then there's nothing you know there's nothing to be ashamed of and there's no need to hide it because there's a, there's a lot of people out there they are not on their own and, and there are a lot of people but to see then the difference that you can turn around with individuals and with groups of people um is absolutely amazing i had somebody um last month and they said to me i'd done a workshop on um dealing with stress and anxiety to improve performance and they sent me a message to say who would have something like who would have known that going to a workshop about stress would leave you feeling so calm and relaxed afterwards and i'm like that's absolutely brilliant isn't it and i didn't even work through any of the tools which i do sometimes do when i've got more time and things but this is it. So, the, the, you know, there's the stigma. There is that it breaks my heart through the pandemic where we've seen so many people that have either, you know, as you say, taken their lives or, you know, got to absolute break. And I'm like, no, you don't need to do that. But getting back, um, you know, to that point of what we were initially talking about is about this is why we need to stop throwing money at it. We need that tailored support. We need it to be right for each individual we need them to feel safe enough to come forward you know and stop that kind of stigma as well so um if you could finish today with kind of if you could just share one lesson if you like what would that be Hannah I think it very much follows on from that point and it's something that one of my friends who works a lot in diversity and inclusion said and particularly about this year when they were doing a lot of work with Black Lives Matter and things She said, it's just about having the conversations. It's just about having a conversation. 
And I just, I think you know her actually. Uh, I think um, it's it's just the same with mental health and stress. In fact, with all the big issues we're trying to deal with right now, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to be, just as you were saying there, ask people, what help do you want? What are you struggling with right now? What support do you want us to, to find for you, to arrange for you? And if we, if we haven't got a lot of money, if we can't do anything else, can we just get you in a group on Zoom, bring a cup of coffee and, and have that confidential and honest and open conversation with no judgment? Oh, I love that. Hannah, if people want to find you, um, where, where can they find you on um, social media or wherever? Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm happiest and busiest. So it's uh, just Hannah Becko on LinkedIn. And I also do have a website as well. And that's authenticallyspeaking.co.uk. It's all about the conversations. It's all about the conversations. Thank you so much for joining me today. And um, listeners, if you liked this and you have any questions, get in touch with Hannah or get in touch with me. If you liked this, please share it with your network do subscribe and head over and leave a review. And then I'll see you again in the next episode. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.